Deshaun Tate back with you here live. Of course, Tate's Take is what you're watching. Unless you've been living under a rock, you would know that this is Tate's Take, where you find the most entertaining, the most educational, informative uh, basketball content in the form of a podcast. Um, be sure to follow along. I always consistently ask you guys to make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you don't do anything else, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your friends, tell your enemies, anywhere you find your favorite podcast at Tate's Take Hoops on the Twitter as well as on the Instagram. As promised and teased all week, I have a very, very special guest um, uh, coming on today to kind of talk about the NBA. We're going to kind of going to get into some of the bubble and talk about some of these playoff scenarios and situations. Uh, even including a little bit about the NBA awards, amongst other things. So let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm going to bring on Jared Greenberg from NBA TV, host and reporter. Jared, thank you so much for coming on with me today. How are you? Sean, man, great to speak with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Um, saw some of your work last night. Obviously, I've been a, a huge fan and been following for quite some time, but Thanks. I thought it was really funny, the whole thing with uh, with – the open shirt from Dwayne Wade last yeah. night and kind of talking about that and, and having some fun with that with LeBron and all that good stuff. Um, let me start off with this first and foremost. When we start talking about this bubble, you're down there now. You're in Orlando. Yeah. Um, how exactly, like, what is that vibe like? What is that feel? What is that atmosphere like? And, um, you know, maybe how that's different uh, from doing this in a regular NBA arena. Yeah, man, it's it's totally different than anything. Um, you know, it's just it's strange living here. You know, you, I'm used to flying all around the country doing games. It's weird not having to rush to an airport, um, packing up my suitcase and going. It's weird <laughs> that, you know, I've got stuff here for like three months. I basically have my whole life in this hotel room. I feel like I've rented an apartment. Uh, it's weird that after the games, kind of everybody who's at the arena hops on a, a bus and we all come back to the campus and, you know, scatter our own way into our own hotel rooms. Um, the the vibe in the arena is is really weird. Like, you know, it, watching on TV, I feel like, is a totally different experience than it is being in the arena because it's a lot quieter in the arena than it is on TV. It's just weird without having fans. Like, you don't get that. Listen, I, I tell everybody no matter what NBA arena I go into for whatever game it is, whether it's like the worst game of the year or the most hyped game of the year, I get like an adrenaline rush from being in an NBA arena. It's mm -hmm. tough to manufacture that here just because there's people in the arena. There's like staff members, there's people scouting, there's obviously media, there's uh, other players from other teams that are coming who were not playing that night who are watching, but nobody's cheering ever, right? So it's really weird. Uh, to kind of like manufacture that typical energy that we have in that building. But uh, I'm happy to be a part of it, man, because I know it's a historic event and hopefully it's the only time we ever have to do this, but it's one we'll be talking about forever. How exactly does that, you know, measure up in regards to, because we hear so much about the home court advantage thing yeah. and in this bubble, there's really no real home court advantage, but you're down there, you're in it. Yeah. Is that is that really like an actual thing? Is that something that we can yeah. kind of, live on the fact that it does uh kind of prevent uh more of the home court advantage for that particular home team and you know how does how d should we maybe is that a better opportunity for maybe we can expect some series been extended longer than yeah. we probably would have expected 
Yeah, I, I think I think like these playoffs are going to be totally unpredictable. It's going to be wild, I think. And and that'll add some drama and excitement for everybody. But you're right. Like there is literally no home court advantage. Um, I think though, you know, just I, I I still think players, especially young players, are going to feel pressure in the playoffs. Like, you know, the guys in the Miami Heat or the guys in the Memphis Grizzlies who are holding on for dear life right now. Like those young guys who never have experienced playoff basketball, this is still going to be pressure, different mm-hmm. pressure, right? Because there's not going to be 20,000 fans either cheering for you or cheering against you. But mm-hmm. I still feel like there's going to be that sense of, of, of heat that are on these guys. But you're right. How you deal with it in the building is going to be wild. And there's no way to predict whether it's like better for an older team or better for a younger team or whether teams that have great chemistry or teams that don't have great chemistry. I just think it's going to be, you know, I guess the silver lining for all of this crap that's happened in 2020 is that we are going to witness probably the coolest playoff run of our entire lives. Yeah. And I, and I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited, obviously for there to be basketball again and whatnot. And, you know, just looking at some of these playoff scenarios, the way things are shaping out, and I'm still trying to get a, exactly a feel on exactly who's going to get into yeah. um, that eighth spot in the West because we know about, you know, Portland and them being, you know, hot and, and, and then kind of hot and cold towards the tail end a little bit, losing some games down the stretch, unfortunately. And then, you know, obviously the, the injury to Jaron Jackson really hurt the Memphis Grizzlies. And it's like, you know, when you're even hearing about the – Portland between Damian Lillard and, and, and Paul George kind of going back and forth. Yeah. If I'm Devin Booker, I would imagine in the Phoenix Suns who's undefeated in this bubble, it's kind of like just let those guys kind of spat amongst themselves. Question. We're kind of on a quest to something much more important. What what exactly – who have you seen between teams and or players that have that has really kind of impressed you the most or what has kind of seen some performances that you've seen that has been kind of unexpected? I just think, you know, you mentioned the Blazers, and I've had the opportunity to do a few Blazer games on TNT since I've been down here. And what I love about them is that they've embraced what this means. They're not shying away from it. They're not giving the old cliche BS. It's just another game. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens. You know, we're just – no, they have said every game is a must-win we're here for one purpose, which is not to be here for just eight games. We want to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I love when teams acknowledge what everybody else is thinking, because I think that kind of takes away some of the pressure. It doesn't add the pressure when you're trying to hide something or when you're trying to, you know, tell people something's not what it is. I think it makes it harder on you because you're telling a lie to yourself and to everybody else. So I love the, the Blazers approach. And I love on top of the fact that, you know, the, the, the hiatus has allowed them to get healthier by bringing Nurkic and Zach Collins back. And those are two guys that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have desperately needed to have. Uh, so I've loved that. I, I haven't gotten to do any Phoenix Suns games. I will on Thursday. I'm, I'm excited to see them. I think that they put on an absolute show. Monty Williams deserves so much credit for what he's done. Um, and, and I think the Raptors, too, man, like we got to look at them. Um, they just every day, obviously, they had one slip up against the Boston Celtics where they didn't look real good. But but that might actually turn out to be a good thing for them. It uses motivation as a teaching lesson. But but they're a team that, man, they are on a mission like they are 
are trying to tell everybody, you didn't look at us and watch out. Here we come. And they, you know, Pascal Siakam is tremendous. And one day he might be considered like an MVP candidate. I think for part of this year he was, then he kind of fell out of it. He had a big injury, but they just don't care what anybody else thinks. And they just, every night, whoever's available to them, they've gone through so many injuries. They just go out there and play hard on both ends of the court. And the Raptors have looked unbelievable. And see, when we were talking about the Portland Trailblazers and even me asking you about, you know, some of the players and maybe some performances or just players in general that have surprised you. I mean, the job that I mean, and everybody talks about, you know, Collins and, and, and Nurkic coming back and being healthy and then arguably the most underrated, you know, backcourt and, you know, Dame and, and CJ, um, maybe Whiteside for defensive purposes, skinny, mellow and so forth. But even. Um, even Gary Trent, the job that he has done, oh my and, God, yeah. you know, Michael He's Porter awesome. Jr. has played. Yeah. Michael MPJ has played exceptionally well. The TJ Warren thing seemed like it's come from nowhere. Um, all of those things being considered, let me ask you this in regards to the awards. Yeah. When you start looking at, cause you're talking about Pascal Siakam at one point, maybe up for MVP right now, we're looking at a three player race for MVP, that being Harden, Giannis, and LeBron. Am I correct? I think that's what most people have. Um, I didn't I didn't have Harden in my top three, but I, I, I would agree with you that most people have him there. Where exactly where exactly does Luca fall into that? Because you look at what he's been doing. I mean everybody knows about the game uh not too long ago with the 14 rebounds and 30 something yeah. 36 points or something like that and 19 assists where does he fall into that category and should the league how much weight should a, a team's record have on a particular player for an individual award receiving it how much should that have to do with each other well i'm i'm glad you said that because uh when i was casting my ballot and remember we had to we had to cast our mvp ballots before the restart started, right? So we couldn't include any of this stuff here in the bubble. It was all through March 11th. And that that obviously made it challenging. But, you know, for me, when I went through all of, and it's not just stats, right? Like you, you can't just look at stats. You gotta remember the games. You gotta remember the moments. You gotta remember, as you said, the impact on winning, which is so significant. I, I had a hard time with the Harden Doncic comparison, because yeah, Harden's scoring numbers are significantly higher than Doncic, but Doncic's numbers everywhere else are higher, and the two teams had the same record through March 11th. So how can you tell me that Harden is so much more deserving than Doncic mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. Doncic, you could argue, has less talent around him? And has the same record. So for me, I'll tell you what I've not told anybody else yet. I put Doncic ahead of Harden on my MVP ballot. And I'm not mad at that, Green, because I'll tell you what. It, the crazy part about it is that the expectations coming into this season that we had for both of those teams, yeah. it appears that the, the that the Houston Rockets has not lived up to the expectation that most people had, especially bringing over Westbrook. And then, yeah. you know, when you're looking at Don, uh, uh, Luca in Dallas, maybe they're slightly better than what you expected or whatever the case may be, but still, yet still uh, a spot ahead of, of, of Houston. 
Um, so all of those things, I always kind of wonder what makes sense. And we even heard Donkic say uh, that, you know, he doesn't deserve to be in the most improved player uh, award category, which I agree because he's better than that. I like to think and the expectations that we have for players that got drafted as high as he did. Sometimes I'm not sure if they should really be in that particular category. Do you believe much like Donkic that, uh, that Devontae Graham going from what four points per game on average to like 18 or something. Should he be in that conversation with Brandon Ingram and who is your particular, uh, um, for, for, for uh, most improved. So I have, I have a rule here. Um, when, when I vote for most improved player and a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. I know a lot of people who vote feel the same way as me. I don't ever put on my ballot anybody who's a second year player. So I didn't have Luka Doncic on my ballot. And I also didn't have Devontae Graham on my ballot. Maybe it's the wrong way of thinking, but I, I go on the premise of your first to second year, there should be a significant leap, right? Yes. And when you go for a guy like Devontae Graham, listen, he was sensational this year. And I don't mean to minimize what he did, but not only did he go from, you know, about four points a game to 18 points a game, but he also went from less than 50, uh, less than 15 minutes a game to more than 35 minutes a game. Right. So that to me, yeah, it's it's he's improved and he earned those minutes. But the opportunity is what allowed him to score 18 points a game, which, again, shouldn't be held against him. But for me, Mm -hmm. when I look at most improved and again, we don't get a criteria, we don't get a definition for what the award should be. It's left open to interpretation, which maybe is wrong. Maybe there should be a definition and a criteria, but there's not. So for me. You have to be in your third year or more in the NBA for me to consider consider you uh, on that list. And and I went with I went with Brandon Ingram. I, I just felt, you know, what what he has done from his first few years in the league this past year to being an All Star. Listen, we could talk about Zion all we want, and the reason why the Pelicans were invited down here to the bubble was because Zion came back, and the play of Zion helped put them in position where. They should have been competing for that play-in game. But ultimately, if it wasn't for Brandon Ingram's play while Zion was out, then none of Zion, nothing that Zion could have done would have mattered, right? So let, let's let's give Brandon Ingram that proper respect. Jared Greenberg, host of a host and reporter, that is, of NBA TV, joining us here in the locker room. Tate's take, of course, that being where basketball lives per usual. Uh, just a couple uh, more minutes here with you. I know you're yep. getting kind of up against it a little bit and don't want to keep you too long. Um, but what I, 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 what I would like to know, though, is, is there a particular dark horse in this thing from each side of the conferences that you could see, even if not necessarily making a run to the finals, uh, but even making a surprise run a little bit to the Eastern Conference finals or that you wouldn't be surprised if they got that far, whether it be Eastern Conference, one for East and one for West in terms of dark horses that you can see. And maybe people aren't really paying close attention, uh, but they want to keep their eyes and their ears open for this uh, particular uh, franchise. Yeah, I, I think in the East, my pick my pick has been the last couple of months, and I still feel the same as Boston. I think that they have the opportunity to really throw a wrench in this. I think if people didn't pay attention the last few months of the season to what Jason Tatum did, 
Um, he has been sensational. And Kemba Walker's going through some knee injuries, and they're working him back. And, and I would imagine, I don't know this, I haven't spoke to anybody about this, but I would imagine the Celtics are being so cautious right now because they want to keep Kemba fresh, and they know come the playoffs starting next week he'll be okay, I, I, I would think. If, if, if you know if he's okay, I think that they're going to be a great threat because, listen, they they pose so many matchup problems, and you could throw it the other way and say they're it's going to be tough for them to guard some teams. But Tatum has become a really solid defender. Jalen Brown, we know, is a great defender. Marcus Smart is one of the best defenders, mm. um, and and I think I think Boston has the ability to shake things up. Um, and remember, like you know, we talk about these young teams and. While nobody has the experience of being in the bubble in this unique atmosphere, the one thing the Celtics do have is before many people thought they had the ability to get there, these guys have all been a part of teams that have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Granted, totally different atmosphere, totally different sure. circumstances and situations. Sure. But like they've been there, and they mm-hmm. know how to win playoff games. So I, I think – I think Boston is a team to watch, although I have a lot of respect for Toronto, and I think any team that has Giannis on it is going to be great, although Milwaukee has looked confusing, to say the least, here in the bubble. Um, out in the West, you know, I'm still I, – I don't I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, that's why I'm so excited for this. I, I'm, you know, I, I my pick all year, and it still is, is the Clippers. But the Clippers, man, they, they frustrate me uh, just because they're never whole. They, they've only played this stat. I use this stat all the time on, on TV. And, and to me, it's staggered. It's, it blows my mind. The Clippers have only played 11 games this year where they've had their top eight scores in it. 11 games and none inside the bubble. So, okay. Montrose Harrell's here, right. And, and he's quarantining and he'll be, you know, you'd imagine he'll, he'll be ready to go. And you would think mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly's calf would be okay. And he'll be healthy. But there is something about chemistry and guys playing together that matter. So uh, that worries me, but I still think the Clippers are the best team in basketball. I still think the Clippers are going to win a championship, but if you had to have me pick another team, Denver's deep, Denver's talented. You mentioned Michael Porter jr. Earlier. I saw him last night in the game. He didn't miss a shot all game. Uh, He's, he's playing out of his mind. And, you know, I, I think Denver's still another year, maybe two years away. Uh, I think that they, they could be dangerous. I just don't know if they're ready yet. The, the, the team that, you know, obviously Portland we want to throw in there. I still think the Lakers beat Portland, but I think Portland gives them the run for their money. The, the team that's intriguing here, and, and this is weird, because they could lose their first-round series or they could probably go to the Western Conference Finals. Can I, I, I don't guess know it? Who is it? Can I guess it? Who is it? Okay, see? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, man, because like they, they don't have the in – in a normal circumstance, they don't have the talent or the business to be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But, man, they just – like Chris Paul's on one right now. Like did you see the other day, Billy Donovan, a couple days ago, Billy Donovan sat every single guy in, in, a, in a seating game, and Chris Paul was like, nah, like I, I'm playing yeah. And not only I'm did playing. he play, like yep. he played, he played like fourth quarter minutes of a of a meaningless <laughs> game for them. Um, he did, and, and I know Chris Paul takes a lot of crap, and and I've been guilty of giving him a lot of crap for his injuries over the years and his playoff failure. Me too, yeah. me too. Welcome to the party. Welcome to yeah. the party, Jared. Yeah, but I I have mad respect for for Chris Paul for what he's done this year. Like I I just think this. T- I thought Oklahoma City was going to be in the running for the worst team in basketball this year, and I'm. 
I'm stunned by them. I give them a lot of respect. Shea is unbelievable. Gallinari is playing great basketball. You know, once Dennis Schroeder comes back, um, I think he gives them a big boost. I, I'm confused by them, and, and I think that they're a team that seems mentally strong that they could play head games with their opponent, even though the opponent may be way more talented and way more experienced than them. Things that I never thought that I would hear someone say and see myself actually buying into it. Yeah. The Los Angeles Clippers winning a world championship. I just take, I'm a Detroit Lions guy, man. So you can yeah. kind of almost see sometimes it's where it's kind of like hard yep. to imagine yep. a little bit. Um, that being said, um, are you taking, would you happen to be taking the Bucks coming out of the East or the field? Because it appears that the way it's looking right now in the event, you know, that, that, that as this thing actually is locked in now, you do have the Orlando Magic minus Jonathan Isaac. Um, and that's a big loss for them, obviously. They didn't have to travel very far at all uh, to actually be a part of this whole thing. Do you yep. take uh, you take you, do you take uh, Milwaukee to come out or do you take the field on this one and why? So all, all year I had the Bucks and. I never felt great about it, but like anytime I saw them play in person and just the way that they pound people this year, they had the most double figure wins in the NBA. Um, it looks so good. And then down here, I don't want to have like a knee jerk reaction where I'm like, Oh, I see them in these meaningless games. And, and, mm -hmm. but there's just something about them that I can't put my finger on that, that makes me think maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. And it's not like I love anybody else. Right. So it's not like I'm, that passionate about the Raptors or the Celtics. But I also think, I also wonder, like, I, I'm, I'm not a gambling guy myself, but, but I would have to imagine the, the Bucks magic series might be one of the heaviest first round favorites in a long time. Like the Bucks are going to steamroll through the magic in the first round of the playoffs. Is that going to help or hurt them for the rest of the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in the second round, whoever they have to play, and then certainly in the third round, I, I think they're going to run into some trouble. I think, you know, I think what Boston what and what Toronto can do at times defensively against Milwaukee is, you know, certainly Boston doesn't have the bigs to match up with, mm -hmm. with the Lopez twins or, or some of the other guys that they put in there. But, man, like, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know why. I don't. For a team that was going to win, you know, 68, 69 games, had we played this thing out, I should feel yeah. better about them. And I just, I just don't. And, and, and I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely understand that. Um, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I could sit here and literally do this with you <laughs> all day long. I really could, yeah, I man. And I, I want to throw this one last thing out there at you as well. I'm a huge, huge college basketball guy. I see you got yeah. your Hofstra pride add on yeah. and whatnot. That that that's how you roll. You rolling with the pride. I'm so upset that we don't have we didn't have the college basketball this year. Hofstra being one trip. of those. Yeah, I know. I was going to say the same thing. Hofstra was on their way. Hofstra has some really good put together a really good stretch of games and was yeah. on their way into the NCAA tournament. I really really believe that dude. And so I just kind of want to show some love to the hat because anytime Thank somebody you. comes Thank on you. represent their school. I always yeah, got to throw some love and uh, I guess kind of lick my wounds a little bit in regards to not having any more college basketball. Jared Greenberg, host and reporter from NBA TV. Be sure to follow him 
on social media, all social media platforms, Twitter, as well as IG, the gram, or Instagram, whatever the cool kids calling it <laughs> at Jared S. Greenberg, J-A-R-E-D-S Green, G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G, not B-U-R-G, B-E-R-G. Jared, thank you so, so much Thanks, for man. joining me on the podcast today. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your passion. I love it, man. And uh, anytime you want to talk hoops, I'm here for you. I appreciate it. Looking forward to doing it next time. Jared Greenberg, everybody, host again and uh, reporter from NBA TV. And so I'm just kind of going to throw out there a couple of things. We had some people that kind of wanted to put in, bring in a little bit of banter a little bit. Uh, so I want to give the people the opportunity to do that as um to do that as I typically always do. I try and show some love to my people, letting you know that you can always, always, always be a part of the show. So we got Lawrence Goggins on here who looks like he has, I got to send him a shout out for sure because it looks like he's thrown out uh, a quite a bit of different comments throughout the duration of uh, some of our conversation that we were having with Greenberg earlier. Denver has that Golden State pre-championship feel, I guess. Uh, saying that they're about two seasons away from that title run, which I can see. And I think that that is something that uh, Greenberg actually uh, mentioned himself as well, uh, saying that the Raptors is a veteran-led team as well. And you know what? That they are. I've got to show a lot of respect, and I've got a ton of apologies. And as much as I like to brag on the fact that I'm right about things in regards to basketball and so forth, whatever, I know people get tired of hearing me being right all the time, right? Wink, wink. But – you know what? I also, during the times that I'm wrong, I'm always upfront and center about the times that I'm wrong. I've come on here plenty of times and have talked about those things. One of them being one of the most recent. I was wrong about the Atlanta Hawks pick with John Collins. That was a phenomenal pick, and I just didn't see what they saw. I like to think that I have a pretty good eye for talent, but I was wrong about that one. So, of course, I had to go to uh, to John Collins himself and let him know about how wrong I was. I'm not against that. This uh, Toronto Raptors situation is identical. It's the same situation. I was not confident that not having Kawhi Leonard, who clearly looked like he not, it's not that he carried them alone. Uh, it's not that he didn't have pieces around him to help win a championship. Nobody's doing this thing by themselves, but I just really thought that that was going to be much more of a significant loss uh, than, than it showed to be. I mean, they entered the bubble on like a 14 or 15 game winning streak for crying out loud. Uh, and so with that being said, obviously, when you got a guy like a Pascal Siakam uh, and obviously Kyle Lowry, Chris Bruchet on uh, on on the occasional offensive end, but more defensive end, long arms like a broomstick, swatting shots away and so forth. Nobody. I don't know how anybody can forget about the guy who's probably going to have one of the biggest paydays in front of him in Fred Van Fleet. Uh, he's another one of those pieces as well. And then this guy who came out of nowhere and I should have, uh, I should have, uh, asked Greenberg about this while he was on, I'll have to send him a tweet about it. Uh, and, and hopefully you guys can go on, um, on my Twitter and see the response. But Matt Thomas last night watching him, I mean, he was unbelievable. I think he had like 12 points at the end of the first quarter or 12 points at the end of the half or something. Me being a big college basketball guy and at least knowing where a lot of the players that I hear their names being, especially and specifically American players, knowing where they came to college, went to college. I had no idea where this guy came from. Iowa State, I had to call one of my buddies who never answered the phone, but I know he's a big Iowa State guy. I was going to ask him, where did this dude even come from? I know about uh, uh, um, um, 
uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and some of the other guys, George's Niang and some of the others. I know about those guys. This guy, Matt Thomas, came from absolutely nowhere. He surprised me. And it seems like that's exactly what Toronto has been doing, not only all season, but they've been doing it consistently and persistency with persistency and, and, and consistency. And so with that, I definitely got to take my um, headphones off. I guess, to to the Toronto Raptors. But just sitting here looking at the standings as they stand right now, and I just want to throw this out there to you guys um, so that you can see exactly what uh, these matchups are potentially or or are definitely, and some of them in uh, definite, are going to be looking like, especially on the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee Bucks as the number one seed. Again, not playing at any of these places. We're just talking about strictly neutral site. We talked to Greeny about that before and how much that's actually going to play a part. The Milwaukee Bucks playing the Orlando Magic, the eighth seed. The Raptors as the two seed playing the Nets being the seventh seed, which I think is probably going to be the most boring um, NBA first round 2020 playoff series inside of the bubble that there is that exists. I don't know what the heck has been going on with the Philadelphia 76ers at the sixth seed. Not a lot of people expected that. What's going to happen with Joe Embiid and his uh, injury status? What is the deal with Ben Simmons and his injury status? I mean, they just can't get put the pieces together at the right time, especially during this time of the year. Um, and so them being a six seed and playing the three seed in the Boston Celtics, ironically enough, Al Horford goes from being a Celtic to a sixer. So he's going to be playing his old team. And then the one I think I just might be the most interested to watch, which is the Miami Heat being the fourth seed against the Indiana Pacers being the five seed. That one is intriguing enough to me already enough as it is not because just because of the TJ Warren and um, and, uh, and 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 Jimmy Butler uh, kind of feud or rivalry or whatever you want to call it. I know they play them each other quite a few times over the course of the next uh, nine or 10 days or so with the playoff meetings being included in that. But that's going to be interesting within itself because Miami is playing some of the best basketball. Miami might be the OKC uh, of the East from what I've seen so far this year. And, and speaking of, uh, because the Indiana Pacers did not fall into the top half of the NBA playoffs uh, in terms of the seeding, uh, then I guess I owe my cousin Keith, who's probably watching this and not going to be afraid to remind me that I owe him $50. In which I said the Indiana Pacers will indeed be a top four spot uh, in the playoffs. And of course, only losing by one game to the Miami Heat, they ended up in the fifth spot. But maybe because they didn't have a healthy Oladipo all season, maybe because during this tenure in the bubble, they did not have their first year NBA All-Star in um, and DeMontis Sabonis, maybe because the season did not play out within all 82 regular season games and it got cut a little bit short. Maybe he'll let me give him like half of the money. I don't know if that's really going to work. I'm surprised he ain't on my head about that 50 bucks already. And in the addition to the fact that he hasn't chimed in yet here on the bottom. So um, I definitely wanted to uh, mention that as that is what the Eastern Conference uh, has shaped out to look like so far. And then, of course, we're going to jump around here to the uh, to the Western Conference, the more intriguing, I guess, conference that is, um, and see what the West looks like. Of course, as we stated, you have the number one seeded L.A. Lakers, who has, I wouldn't necessarily say look like poop, 
but their record in the bubble has certainly looked like poop and it, it, it stinks. I mean, it, it looks bad. You don't have Avery Bradley. You don't have uh, Rajon Rondo. Not only your best, not only your perimeter defenders, but your best two perimeter defenders and NBA vets. These aren't first or second league guys or anything like that. That's going to hurt them a lot. Not only the fact that, you know, LeBron isn't a spring chicken anymore, uh, but Anthony Davis is finally healthy. No excuses from him throughout the course of a season and not being healthy. They had the opportunity to get some rest. There aren't going to be any excuses for the Lakers, who ultimately is the team, I think, uh, and thought that was going to win the NBA playoffs this year for not no other reason than as a tribute for uh, for Kobe Bryant and the unfortunate passing and, and, and the death uh, of him. Uh, and they're going to be playing up against, as it stands right now, again, the Memphis Grizzlies, who is only a half of game in front of the Portland Trailblazers and lost Jaron Jackson Jr. That is going to be extremely, extremely critical for this team going forward into the playoffs and maybe keeping their fingers crossed, toes crossed, T's crossed, everything, eyes crossed, everything crossed, uh, and hope to still be able to withstand that spot. But the red hot Portland Trailblazers are on their tail. And not when you start talking about red hot, nobody is probably more red hot in the NBA since the beginning of this pan, uh, pandemic or, or entering the bubble and the resumption of the season than that being the Phoenix Suns. So as it stands, the Phoenix Suns, Sun, I'm sorry, the Memphis Grizzlies currently hold the eighth spot right now to play the Los Angeles Lakers a half a game in front of the Portland Trail Blazers. The Blazers are actually uh, next in line with the San Antonio Spurs, uh, 33 and 39 and 32 and 38 being the records for the Blazers and the Spurs and following that up behind just a half of game behind those two is the Phoenix Suns, who's 32 and 39 as well. So this thing is really going to, um, it appears going to get, Really, really crazy, really interesting, really fast. So if you love the NBA or you've been missing out on games and you need to find a way to sit your butt on your sofa, find a really comfortable spot, of course, uh, 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 to make sure. You, I don't know if you like to pop popcorn. I don't like. I don't know if you like to do nachos, whatever the case may be in the Western Conference between the Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Suns, all of those teams, very, very critical positions right now. Uh, in which they uh, are looking to uh, hopefully make a way into the playoffs and play themselves in because I know that there's some play-in game situations, which I should have asked Greenberg about. Not exactly sure how that works, but it's still basketball that you don't want to miss. So make sure that you're watching basketball leading up to the playoffs, obviously inclu including the playoffs, but particularly those four teams being the Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, and Suns. The job that the Suns have been doing, man, um, with and, and Devin Booker, that three-pointer that he put up from almost half, man, that was that was that was that was outrageous. That was that was super, super crazy. So make sure that you got your butts on your couch for that one, but not before you be sure to uh follow along on social media at Tate's Take Hoops. Uh, and make sure that you subscribe anywhere that you find your favorite podcast as well. Now to finish that out, uh, before we get up out of here, because I know we're up against it, the number two seeded L.A. Clippers um, uh, will play the Dallas Mavericks, which I think that will be interesting within itself. Another, a lot of people not giving the Mavericks a chance, but I think we are not as far away from crowning 
Luka Doncic, the best player in the NBA. We're not as far away from that as a lot of people may actually like to think. So, you know, you got to tighten up on some of the defense and some other things a little bit. But for a guy coming in in his second year, he just can't be stopped. And he makes it look so effortless. He makes it look so easy. And it's like he's not even moving really fast on the court. Just his mechanics. He's fundamentally sound. The basics of basketball back when Dr. James Naismith created this thing way back in eight. 1991 in Lawrence, Kansas, I want to say, just trying to jog my memory a little bit right now. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting uh, 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 series within itself that I don't think the Clippers are going to run away from as much as people like to think. The three-seeded Denver Nuggets uh, playing the Utah Jazz, and then, of course, there's the Rockets and the Thunder. I think that those are all must see basketball games and and, and and series that you don't want to blink an eye or you don't want to jump up and run to the bathroom. You might miss something, um, you know, trying to get away uh, from the game for a quick second just to go to the fridge and go grab a beer or whatever the case may be. You want to be very careful about how you go about doing that because I tell you what, there's some really good basketball play and it's going to be unpredictable. I got a feeling that this is going to be like March madness, essentially mark my words. This is going to be so much like March madness. Granted, it won't be a one and done situation, but there's going to be so much uncertainty because there's no home court advantage because the, 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 as, as, as Greenberg told us earlier um, on the podcast and, and, and bringing him in that, you know, it seems so much like an in-house NBA arena feel and atmosphere watching it from TV. It's not like that on the inside. On the inside, maybe more of a pickup game. How does that play into the minds of the players psychologically? Those answers, uh, we will, uh, those questions rather, we will have to wait until what? The weekend, I think, until the playoffs will start. Uh, and I want to give a shout out, obviously, to Lawrence Goggins for chiming in. Any and everybody that is watching right now, that being on YouTube, uh, that being uh, on Facebook as well. Make sure you tell your friends and family that this is where they can find nothing short of the best, most entertaining, most intriguing, most educational, most informational uh, basketball content in the form of a podcast. Want to throw some love out to Derek Crush Boyd. Derek Boyd, appreciate you for joining in as well to the locker room, saying that the Suns are certainly intriguing and saying watching everything in the West is entertaining because it's a fight. Not just a fight, but it's a dog fight. Believe that. Uh, so appreciate everybody for checking in. Remember, 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 go and tell your friends, go and tell your family, go and tell, you know, your, 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 um, your enemies, any and everybody, please be sure to repost. Please be sure to subscribe anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. That being Stitcher, Red Circle, uh, um, a Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. We're all over the place. Just go to the search box and, and that little magnifying glass. I always like to do this because I think it looks really cool and corny at the same time. Hover over that little magnifying glass and, and, and type in Tate's take T-A-T-E apostrophe S like state without the S T-A-T-E apostrophe S T-A-K-E and enter that in and hit subscribe. Also on YouTube, Tate's take. When you do that, you are supporting a young man's dream, a young man's goals, a young man's aspirations. We can always need more 
uh, people that are going to subscribe to the podcast as well. So thankful for the people that have already done that. Thankful for the people that are going to do that in the future. For those that are listening and watching right now, I appreciate you for doing so. And even the ones that are going to go back and listen in the future, I appreciate you for doing that as well. That's all for us today. I am going to give you one last little nugget and tease, uh, tease this a little bit. Michael DeCourcy, Mike DeCourcy coming on tomorrow at two o'clock Eastern standard time. I don't think that that time will change. If it does, I'll be sure to update you on my social media uh, that that has changed, but two o'clock PM Eastern standard time. Of course, Mike DeCourcy correspondent and, um, and, and, and analyst from, from big 10 network will be joining us on tomorrow as well. So that's something that you definitely don't want to miss. Be sure to share that with your family and friends. Uh, that's it for us on today. Appreciate everybody for watching, keeping me in your prayers and for sharing along with your friends and family until next time tomorrow. Let me see how good my math is. Uh, so two 24. So I guess that's what probably somewhere close to about 20 hours from now, uh, right around. Yeah. Right around 20 hours from now, I will see you guys then. And, uh, looking forward to you guys chiming in on that one tomorrow as well. When we bring on Michael DeCourcy from the big 10 network, have a good one.